0: Welcome to On The Mat. I am Kyle Klingman of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum. And Scotty, there is a big, and I mean big, gap today. This happens occasionally. You get a text from Doug and he says he can't make it.
2: Yep. Well, you know how
1: it is now, especially since he... He uh, he doesn't have any other commitments right now. He has other commitments, but the uh, the one that he normally has isn't uh, isn't there anymore.
0: Well, in the the adage is uh, time heals the pain. It never gets easier. Right. Exactly. A guy. But exactly. we'll try to go on. And the the way we go on was with our. I don't even want to call him a filling because he's been great to us. He's with the mm-hmm. OpenMad.com and. Uh, Matt Talk Online, and he's the reason we have a podcast of this show, and we're thankful for Jason Bryant being on the program with us. But before we get to Jason, I do uh, just want to make sure that everyone knows what's going on this weekend. USA Wrestling has a big event at the Unidome. USA Wrestling Preseason Nationals will take place this weekend. And in conjunction with that, we're going to have an autograph signing with Dan Gable Beginning at 4 o'clock at the WRC. So we're going to have it close to the Dome. It's going to be before Wayans. Wayans start this Friday at 6 o'clock. So we're going to have the autograph signing with Dan on Friday, October 24th, one day before his birthday. So we're going to have that uh, special day. And Dan's been hot in the news. We're going to talk about the ESPN E60 feature. And, of course, we want to make sure we talk about November 5th, Wednesday, November 5th, fight night, at Waverly, Iowa, next week on Wednesday, we're going to have Jim Miller for 40 Minutes, the former Wartburg head wrestling coach, 10-time NCAA championship coach. He's going to be in here for two full segments, so we get a chance to talk to him about fight night and a slew of other things, but there's so many things we can talk about with our first guest of the night. Jason Bryant, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing just good. I'm looking around in my backyard right now, Kyle, and I raked leaves this afternoon. And if you look around, it looks like I didn't rake any leaves this afternoon. Why? Uh, it's called the fall oh. here in the Midwest. And uh, okay. when, when you're a homeowner, you, you understand that uh, it's not just plowing snow. It's raking and bagging and mulching of the leaves. Because I've got two giant maple trees in my backyard. So they are pro- unre- they are relentless right now.
0: And, and the work isn't over. I'm guessing you got a couple more of those uh, ahead of you.
2: Well, I'm actually, you know, this 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 relentless thing just gave me an idea. I think I'm going to call one of the trees Tom and one of the trees Terry. Ah. So um, that that'll be, you know, I'm not sure which one is in the lead right now, but they're kind of twin maples, and uh, yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna break me before this season's over. That's for sure. Well,
0: we kicked off the season in my mind with a, a pretty great event. You are the master of ceremonies for Allen and Gloria Rice Greco Roman Hall of Champions. A great class this year, some unique characters. Your general thoughts on the banquet that just took place on Saturday.
2: Well, it, it was different for me because, uh, obviously, I've been attending banquets like this for years, whether it be honors weekend at Hall of Fame or, or things with USA Wrestling or the NWCA. But you actually turned things on its head by asking me to be the master of ceremonies. So instead of sitting and enjoying time and hearing speeches next to my wife, who I'm, I was thankful that had the opportunity to come to the event, doesn't get to do that much. You took time away from my wife, Kyle, and put me up on the podium, so I had to speak. So uh, <laughs> it was actually a very interesting experience. Uh, you know, we, we met beforehand and planned it. Um, I was extremely appreciative of the opportunity, and, and I couldn't find a, a more fitting way to, to kind of put roots down in Minnesota, as I've been looking to do for the last uh, two years I've been back here, and, and be able to facilitate uh, this fantastic event, it, as the master ceremonies, I, you know, I, I did my best to, to let the the athletes and, and the legends do their thing. Uh, I thought it was, I thought some of the speeches were wonderful. I thought Jason Martinez spoke uh, speaking on behalf of his family with the Legacy Award was fantastic. You could just hear the uh, the, uh, you know, the appreciation in the voice of David Kirby uh, going in for the for the Leadership Award. And it was just basically a great night. I mean, it's one of these things where I was really glad to see uh, the number of freestyle specific guys that were there supporting their their Greco-Roman comrades, as I told you yesterday. And you know, although at one point when I made the comment about uh, once once a wrestler, always a wrestler, once a Greco-Roman wrestler, always a better wrestler, I think the table of with uh, Luke Becker and Brandon Egg have got to roll their eyes a little bit.
0: Well, it uh, it is unique in uh, in Minnesota because uh, Greco-Roman wrestling and Minnesota go hand in hand. What uh, what have you seen with the dynamic? Can you feel being up there that Greco-Roman truly does have a, a special spot?
2: I think they treat Greco and freestyle, you know, as they should. The same here. I mean, I've been doing some things with the Minnesota Training Center, and Jordan Holmes brought me in. We meet weekly to talk about some initiatives that they're doing with the uh, mtcstorm.com website. Uh, We're doing some things there that are going to be a little playful, a little fun, uh, almost a little buzzfeed with some of the features we're doing. we got featured athletes. And that's not just Greco-Roman, that's freestyle. I mean, uh, Jordan Holm and and Pat Smith are kind of leading the charge on that. Not that Pat Smith, the Minnesota Pat Smith. And, uh, you know, we're making sure that the freestyle and Greco guys, uh, we don't have a whole lot of women in the the, uh, Minnesota Training Center program at the moment, so when, when we get some more female athletes in, We'll focus on them, but I mean, it was—it's interesting because as I was walking out of Osgood the night, I bumped into David Zuniga and found out he lives basically across the street from me. I'm on 17th Street here in, in New Brighton, and he's on 16th, just across Silver Lake Road. I mean, wow. if I had some type of arm, if I had a Doug Van Gelder type of pitching arm, <laughs> I could probably throw a baseball and hit it out.
0: Well, yeah, yeah that—that's pretty close. That is pretty Got close. You?
2: I think I hear Scott. Scott kind of got a kick out of that one. I
0: can hear. Yeah, you, and he was a ways back, so you did hear him from a ways. I used to live in that area,
1: the uh, Sixteenth Avenue and Silver Lake Road. By the way, I, I grew up in that area many, 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 many
2: years ago. <laughs> yeah, wow. So you're right up Six Ninety Four. Yeah. Pretty. Kyle, Kyle, Kyle's had the opportunity to come here twice already. So uh, that's been it. That's been a good time. He got to see the the office of uh, basically the office between me and my wife we share. And it, when I say share, I use that term liberally because I have about seven eighths of it she's got a little desk and everything else is just wall-to-wall wrestling memorabilia
0: yeah it's like wrestling command central you got uh, you have a nice setup there we are talking with jason bryant of the openmat.com and matt talk online let's transition into something i hope you saw i didn't get a chance to see but i guess there was a fantastic program on e60 espn had a, a feature on uh on a wrestler uh that was narrated by dan gable did you get a chance to see it
2: no, I missed it, but I have my DVR set for tonight to watch it on ESPN, too. So, uh, obviously, those of you are in the, in the Cedar Valley that might be listening live, uh, I use the DirecTV app because I'm a subscriber. I went through and made sure like, okay, I'm going to find that and record it. So, um, I would suggest if you're listening to this after the fact to, to find it. I know ESPN is going to put that up on their YouTube channel probably within a couple weeks, but it won't be immediate. I saw the trailer for it. Uh, you know, I know a little bit about the story behind it to start with, but I, it's one of those things that's on my DVR to watch with my wife tonight because um, one thing that, you know, there's these stories that transcend wrestling people, and this is the type of story that's going to get people to watch, not just wrestling people to watch. Uh, it's like the the, uh, the Axis interview that uh, Gable did over the summer. I sat down and watched that with my wife, and she learned some things about Gable that she didn't know just because uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the conversation wasn't about Uh, wrestling as a whole, it was about him as a person. And I think the story that he's 60, everything I've heard about, I mean, I know Richard Immel at USA Wrestling tweeted last night. He was retweeting everything. Kurt Angle was tweeting about it. I mean, the people saw it. Uh, we're, probably, we're very moved by it, and I can't wait to watch it.
0: Well, there is a uh, replay tonight, 7 p.m. Central on ESPN2, so that's the 22nd, which is tonight. ESPN2 at 7 p.m. Central if you want to watch, and then there are a slew of other times uh, in the wee hours of the morning, but hopefully it does get on that uh, ESPN YouTube channel. We're talking with Jason Bryant of the theopenmat.com. Be sure to stick around. We have uh, two great guests after Jason. We have Jake Herbert, 2012 Olympian and 2009, world silver medalist, and we have Scott Goodale of the newly Big Ten Rutgers University, so the head wrestling coach there. So make sure to stick around. And, Jason, one of the events we talk a lot about, and it's kind of the, the kickoff event, is the All-Star Meet. Do you like how this is shaping up for the November 1 event at Pennsylvania? You
2: know, I was doing some stats today, and, you know, people were talking. I mean, historically, you got to go back and archive and look, see what rankings you can find. And I, I could go all the way back to 2000 and and finding the matchups and the rankings that are associated with them. This year there are seven number one versus number two matchups. Uh, the last time there were over five was back in Texas, I believe, 2006, and there were five scheduled, only four wrestled because Phil Davis didn't make weight. Uh, I believe the, year, the next year there were six scheduled but only four competed at Ohio State. So this year, with, uh, with just a week before the event, You've got seven number ones versus number twos. And then in uh, the injury to Tyler Wilkes was unfortunate, uh, but you replace him with a three-time NAIA champion. So you've got every wrestler in the event is an All-American, uh, not counting the undercard. Matches, but uh, you got every, every, every wrestler is an All-American. You've got seven, 11 times wrestlers have made the finals, 36 total medals, uh, six guys that have stood on the top of the podium. I think it's going to be fantastic. I mean, the palestra – in, in Greek, means house of wrestling or, or gym of wrestling, depending on your your translation. I know the the staff at Penn, Chaz Dorman, their sports information director, Roger Reyna, who is the the former coach at Penn. They've been I've been on conference calls with them uh, for the last two months. They're ready for this thing. I think it's going to be a great event at Palestra. It's in Philly. You got cheesesteaks. You got wrestling. You got New Jersey across the river. You got it's a wrestling hotbed. So I'm I'm genuinely excited with it. I mean, not just because I'm doing the television but uh, I'm excited to see these guys get after it. Well,
0: at 184, you have to be happy that uh, Old Dominion's Jack Deco will be competing. Uh, is that big for you, to have an Old Dominion uh, monarch wrestling and uh, representing your university?
2: Putting my media hat on, it doesn't make a difference to me one way or the other. Now, putting my Old Dominion hat on, it is cool to see because, you know, I came through the university, and in between 1995 and 2007, there were no All-Americans, so... Uh, I was there for actually probably most of that drought because I was in college for seven years. But, uh, you, know, any, you know, James Nicholson wrestled in the event twice. Uh, you have to go all the way back to Wayne Bright in 1970 to see when the first time, actually it was prior to Nicholson, who was an, you know, an Iowa boy, uh, before him, Wayne Bright wrestled a guy named Dan Gable in 1970. So uh, I, Wayne Bright is actually the answer to a trivia question, who's the last man Dan Gable beat in college and you could use the NCAA semis that year or the All-Star, which was after the season back that year. So right. uh, Wayne Wayne Bright of ODU is actually the answer to that trivia question. But to, to get to your initial, yeah, it, it's cool to see because it, it shows that the program is moving in the right direction. Uh, I'm still waiting for more than one guy to be on a podium during the year. I think they've got guys on the team that could do that this year. But, yeah, as an alum, it makes me makes me happy to see. And, and But as a journalist, you yeah. know, Jack Decco is just the number two ranked guy in the rest, uh number two ranked guy in the country. 184. It doesn't doesn't matter to me where he goes to school when when it comes time to work.
0: Uh, you and I's last dual meet on the home schedule is going to be ODU here at the West Gym. Are you planning on driving down the three and a half hours to make this meet?
2: That's probably going to happen, uh, weather permitting, because uh, you know I'm looking at the after my trip for the Iowa Penn State duel last year, where it took me nine and a half hours to get home over two days. I'm sitting there really seriously questioning my trips down 35 to to get down to Iowa. So, weather permitting, I'll be there. Uh, it's one of those things that I've even got a couple UNI duels on my schedule to check out. Uh, they've got a pretty good group of teams coming in. I know Virginia Tech's going to be strong coming in this year. So, uh, I've got some, some, some duels at, uh, in Ames, Cedar Falls, and uh, Iowa City on my schedule. So, yeah, the. And we, we'll circle the U and I ODU match because uh, Kyle, that's, that's the grudge match
0: for you. <laughs> well, and just to recall from last year, ODU won six out of the ten weight classes, but Northern Iowa had the bonus points. They had three pins and I believe a major decision. I want to say that to Dylan
2: that Peters, man, that Dylan Peters is never
0: out of a match. That's right. He, he's, he's a tough dude. Uh, we, we like the way he wrestles at uh, UNI, that's for sure. We're talking with Jason Bryant of the theopenmat.com. We're talking college wrestling right now. And as we transition into more of the team concept of what the collegiate wrestling is going to look like, as you know, it's impossibly hard to crack through and win an NCAA championship. Is that impossibility going to become a reality for Ohio State this season, Jason?
2: You know what? Everybody likes. To, at this point in the season, all you can really look at is things being on paper. But I think the real problem that I see with Ohio State is they're going to be reliant upon too many guys that have never wrestled a match in the tournament. We see it all the time every year. A freshman comes in, has a great year, and then when they get to the show, things happen. So I mean, yeah, they've got a super stud in Kyle Snyder. Nathan Tomasello is is the truth. Bo Jordan is awesome. But they're going to be reliant on guys coming off of injuries, and they're going to be reliant on freshmen, people that haven't wrestled in this tournament before to win it. And, you know, they've got the team to do it, but just on talent alone. But once you, you put talent out there against likewise, like-minded talent, it's going to be tough because everybody's got the same goal. So uh, I'm not going to pencil them in as a favorite by any means because, uh, you know, you're, you're relying on freshmen. You've got to have that tournament experience to know how to deal with the pressure.
0: Now, we've seen some major upsets, Brent Metcalf being the most recent, but what are the chances that Logan Stieber does not win it this year? Going for four NCAA championships, fourth person to do it, any chance that we see Logan Stieber trip and fall?
2: Any given day, Kyle, any given day.
0: Well, that's true, but he's had uh, any given day, and he's won three in a row. I don't know who the guy is going to be that can beat uh, Logan Stieber. If there was one guy that you had to pick, who would that be?
2: Uh, You know what? I I would have to (laughs) – they might be redshirting. I don't know. Um, (laughs) That's the thing. He's he's so good at all positions. And, you know, here's the thing. It goes back to what I said about being there. He's been there. He's a natural champion. You see it so many times when guys are on All-American for the first time and they might be a surprising All-American. The next season, a lot of the times they come back and wrestle like they they deserve to be there. Stevers won three titles. He knows he deserves to be there. So it's going to take – uh, I think it might be a Matt Truck might have something to do with it, maybe a baseball bat. <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, a guy like Mitchell Port, who he wrestles in the All-Star Classic, could pose a bit of a problem because he's really good on top and he rides well. If you can neutralize Stieber from the neutral position and not get turned on top, I mean, that's probably going to be everybody's game plan when they're wrestling Stieber this year. I think Port might have the best shot. Uh, I mean, we'll see November 1st how ready he is.
0: All right. Uh, Iowa. I think there's a lot of excitement for the University of Iowa, and rightfully so. Your thoughts about the University of Iowa and uh, their chance to get back on top. It hasn't been since uh, 2010, since they've won the NCAA tournament. Uh, does Iowa have the firepower to do it this year?
2: You know, I think this year, uh, with you know, if you looked at their lineup this year, if you, if you put it in their, the place last year, you'd say, ah, you know, they got they got a hole here, a hole there. Obviously, they're still trying to figure out uh, the solution at 49. I mean, there's a couple guys there that have been serviceable, uh, waiting to see what they do with Edwin Cooper, who's coming in. Uh, you got guys with experience. You got guys who've been on the podium. I think uh, Gilman and Clark, bang bang, at 125, 133. If those guys can feed off each other, uh, you know, and set the tone for the whole team, I'm really curious to see what this Iowa team's going to do this year. There's a lot, a lot of leadership. There's a lot of experience. Uh, Sammy Brooks is going to get to go. You saw him uh, at times last year look really good. You know, Telford's back for a year. Mike Burak's a year better. So uh, Mike Evans is one of the best scramblers in the country and still has that great mustache. So I mean. I always should be a fun team to watch this year. I mean, I'm, I'm curious to see what they can do. I think, I mean, I think there's probably six or seven, four or five, six teams that, that can really claim to say, hey, if the tournament, you know, the, the, the chips fall where they may, if the, the right team gets hot at the right time, you could be, you could be having a couple different teams lifting that trophy. All
0: right. I'm not going to abandon this concept because we did it with Doug last week. We kicked it off. Uh, Doug's not here but we're going to do this segment it's turn back the clock last week we had Ken Bigley this week we're actually going to do something different we're going to look at a weight class at the NCAA tournament 2002 184 pound weight class Rob Roan in the finals comes from behind biggest deficit ever and gets a pin one of the most unbelievable tournament runs I've ever seen gets four pins in a row using the cement mixer what do you remember about that tournament Jason?
2: That was my first NCAA championships, and I remember it for, for a couple of reasons. One, it was Kale's, I was going to see Cale's fourth. Two, again, it was my first NCAA championships. Three, it was so freaking cold in Albany, New York. My, uh, my buddy Jake Carnes and I drove up from Virginia. We stayed at his house in Jersey and then finished up. My roommate was the five-seed at Nationals. Uh, his only loss on the year was to Joe Williams in the semis at Midlands, which did not count. So he was unbeaten, and then he beat by a guy he'd beaten six times in college. And that was unfortunately memorable. And another good friend of mine, Scott Justice at Virginia Tech, was the one seed completely tanked. So it was it was highs and lows there. It was great to be for my first NCAA championship uh, to see Kale win his fourth, to see Rob Roan with that electrifying uh, finish. And then on the other, on the flip side, you got two of my good friends losing, and the trip just sucked.
0: Yeah. Well, and it was, uh, it was unique, too, because Cale Sanderson moving up in weight class that year really kind of left it – the floodgates opened and uh, Rob Roan of Lehigh was the 8th seed. I believe he was down, I want to say 16-4 to before he got the pin and the uh, the final 13 seconds of the match. So pretty remarkable. Jason, we are out of time. Thank you for filling in for the big guy. We look forward to having you on again. Thanks for all you do for the Gable Museum. Uh, anytime, man. Thank you. All right. Up next we have 2009 World Silver Medalist. He was a 2012 Olympian. He's made a comeback. He's going to be in the next Olympic cycle, Jake Herber is next on the mat on 1650 The Fan, KCNZ. We are back on the mat, 1650 The Fan, KCNZ. Kyle Klingman of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, Dan Gable Museum, our first guest. Jake Herbert, two-time NCAA champion from Northwestern, won it in 2007 and 2009 at 184 pounds, translated that into international success, second place at the Freestyle World Championships in 2009-2012 Olympian, and recently made his comeback with a tournament at the International Cup in Russia. Welcome to the program, Jake.
1: Oh, thank you very much for having me on,
0: Kyle. Great to have you on. I just want to even go back to a comment you made uh, when you had your final season at Northwestern. You went to college for six years. You said you loved the experience and you were going to miss it. You are now five years removed from that experience. Do you miss being in college?
1: I do, yes. There are times and places I do, but um, it, it was, like I said, the best six years of my life. But, I mean, these last five years, six years have been pretty amazing, too, because uh, it almost could be better because I've gotten to do everything I did in college. You know, with the focus on wrestling and everything, but I didn't have to uh, do any like late night cramming at the library or all the studying. Or you know, I still haven't taken a test since, which is fantastic. I've just been uh, getting to read stuff that I want to read and do stuff that I want to do and learn about. So it's been amazing.
0: So how hard was Northwestern? I know it has a great academic standard. Did you feel like it was uh, as hard as they say?
1: I did. It was tough. I mean, I ended up graduating with a three three. I don't know how I pulled that off. Um, but, I mean, I think just the way that it was set up with like, trimesters, we only had, like, four classes a semester. So it, um, it really helped me out because instead of being, like, bombarded with six, seven classes for 12 weeks, we had, you know, four classes for nine weeks. So I was able to kind of uh, focus, you know, not split put my focus as much and, um, you know, really just figure out how I learned best
3: throughout college.
0: Let's talk about the time you've had since the 2012 Olympics, but let's talk about the 2012 Olympics itself, so, uh, a controversial match that uh, I think a lot of people in the United States were upset about. Uh, how long did that take for you to get over?
1: <laughs> you just think I'm over it. <laughs> You're not over it? But, absolutely not. Well, that's I mean, good. It's, uh, it, it's really disappointing. You know, Going into that tournament, I was 4-0 against the guys that sold gold, silver, bronze. And uh, to come away with a seventh-place finish, uh, is disappointing and it's something that I'll always be disappointing about because you don't know how many chances you ever get at an Olympic gold medal. So um, that's why I'm putting everything back into it one more time. Um, I love the sport. I'm, I'm better than I've ever been. And, um, you know, I just want to go out there and just – got to be, you know, Jordan Burroughs' dominant to win those matches. I can't really put it in those rough hands. And, you know, just got to get it done.
0: Take us through the, uh, the two-year gap. We haven't seen you compete since the Olympic Games. Tell us what you've been doing since that time of the Olympic Games.
1: That's a lot. I mean, like I said, I was ready to be done um, and out of the sport. I was, I was very happy, content with what I did. I've done more with wrestling than 99% of the wrestling community will ever be able to do. And, um, you know, I was ready. I had my shoulder surgery. Um, I was trying to figure out where I was gonna, what I was going to do if I was going to go, you know, business, if I was going to go uh, open up my own wrestling school or what. And then all of a sudden, you know, on February, uh, that bombshell got dropped And Olympic wrestling was, you know, out of out – of, out of the Olympics, and um, that kind of turned my whole life around and put me in a completely different direction. I went right to New York City working for Kapow. Um, So I was doing my business internships, but I was doing it for something that I loved about, you know, for saving the sport of wrestling. And in doing that, I noticed all these problems, um, you know, that that the sport has at the grassroots level, and, um, you know, both nationally and internationally. And, you know, when you see problems uh, and you can come up with solutions, uh, you know, that's a business right there. And that's kind of what I've been doing over the last two years is uh, Andy Roman and myself went into business together. Um, we started Double Leg Ninja, which is a, a custom wrestling apparel system. Um, you know, co- coaches were having problems with ordering gear and getting gear for their team. So we have a um, completely new ordering system that's unlike anything ever, you know, done in the sport of wrestling. And uh, we make it super easy on the coaches so they don't have to waste their time on ordering gear for their kids. That um, It's a really easy process for them. And then, um, you know, we started that national training system-based wrestling, which should be launched here probably in the next uh, three to six weeks. And, um, you know, our goal is to use this system to organize the sport of wrestling. There's so many programs and clubs and schools out there who have, uh, you know, volunteer coaches who are only in it because their kids are in it and they've wrestled maybe one or two years or just a handful of years and maybe don't know how to run a practice or how to train an athlete, how to do something. Uh, The Russians have a – professional coaching system. These guys go to schools, they get diplomas, they study for four to five years before they're allowed to coach and work with the kids. And that's one of the reasons why the Russians always have success at the Olympic and World Championships, that they have professional coaches. So what we wanna do is we wanna be able to take our volunteer coaches and we want to be able to make them professional coaches with this online wrestling course and provide them with practice plans, provide them with a full comprehensive system for their kids from youth through high school so that these kids will be able to have the same exact experience, the same exact opportunities as any kid in the nation. The only difference is it going to be if you watch Kendall, if your ear coach is Kendall Cross and he's, you know, teaching you a high crotch, you're going to get a much better high crotch than somebody who, you know, was maybe like 14 and 40 in their high school at their high crotch and might not know the proper technique. But, uh, just because the way the online things are right now, you can always use proper technique and setting up the proper practice structure for the kids and um, that's something we've been really, really excited about in testing over the last you know, year and a half uh, all over the nation, and we're really, really excited about the launch of that.
0: We're talking with Jake Herbert, two-time NCAA champion for Northwestern, 2009 World Silver Medalist, 2012 Olympian, and as you talk about that library of knowledge and, uh, and being able to access that. You've always seemed like a, a student of the sport. How often do you go and, and look at technique of, say, a, a Kendall Cross or a John Smith or a Tom and Terry Brands? How often do you rely on that to uh, learn and grow in your own technique?
1: Uh, daily. I mean, I, I'm just really, really blessed and fortunate that, um, you know, for example, I learned my high gut. And my high gut wrench is what basically got me into the World Finals. I turned everybody with it in 2009. I learned that by watching a VHS tape on the way up to Fargo. And then it was like, oh, I'll just try it out here at Fargo. And obviously it didn't go as well at Fargo as it did. But then in the summer of 2009, I got to physically work with Kendall Cross on that gut. So I'm really, really fortunate that I'll go and I'll watch the John Smith low single. I'll watch Cal Sanderson and his stuff. And then when I run into these guys, I'm real, real lucky that I can actually pick their brains and ask them a little bit more questions and go into detail about why they do something or where they do it and, and how they position it that you might not be able to get, you know, from the technique tapes. So I'm, I'm completely um, you know, lucky and blessed in that that sense that I get to be able to, like, reach out to these living legends and get to work with them on it. I mean, uh, wrestling is a sport where you can learn from anyone. Uh, one of my favorite stories is Dave, Dave Schultz was doing a wrestling clinic um, and he saw this kid hit this move and, you know, he was like, oh, my God, it's amazing. He stopped and was trying to, like, break down this move, this kid, for 25 minutes. I think the guy that hired him was like, hey, Dave, you know, like, let's get back to teaching. And, and Dave's like, all right, I want to learn this move. And Dave brought the kid out to teach the move. And the coach was like, what are you doing? You know, like, I, I, we're not here to learn from this kid. We're here to learn from you. And it turned out that kid was, uh, you know, like a 12-year-old or 10-year-old Kendall Cross. And you, oh, just, wow. you just never know. Yeah, you just never know who you're going to learn from and where you're going to learn from because in our sport it's anybody is is really good at something and you can always pick something from somebody else
0: now I'm very fascinated. I mean, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on the show is to catch up, but also to talk about what you just did, and that was uh, go by yourself to the International Cup in Russia. You didn't have a coach. You went over. I don't even know how you got in, if you had to contact them. Just take us through the steps on how you got involved in this International Cup in Russia to have your first competition since 2012.
1: (laughs) Well, it's what we originally planned on going. Um, You know, USA Wrestling, we had a team set to go Grozny and Kaseber's. And um, there is a bombing in Grozny, so, you know, USA Wrestling, they're unbelievable. We landed in Germany. We already had a flight booked for our way home, which as an athlete is a little disappointing. But to look at what they, you know, do for their athletes as as an organization, for for us to be in the air and for them to already rebook our ticket and have everything set up like that, it just just speaks, you know, how how highly they, they are for our protection and our safety. You know, so I ended up, you know, knowing that, like, that's like saying, hey, you know, you live in St. John's, Michigan. Um, there's murders in Detroit. Don't go to St. John's, Michigan. Well, that's like an hour and a half away. So I knew it was going to be pretty safe where the area we were going. So um, Aaron Pico uh, and his coach Valentin and then Victoria Anthony, Helen Moranis, and Elena Pereskova were already heading over and going to just do the training camp um, in uh, Vladekoskov. So, so I was like, hey, I just, at least I'm going to go. I'm going to get the training. I'm going to get the rest of the best guys. That's fine. If I can compete great, if not, that's fine. I got over there. And um, training was going great and everything. And I was talking to Kostakis, who was, like, one of the guys that uh, runs the Russian Federation of that area. And he's like, yeah, you want to, you know, you miss Grozny, but you can still go to Kostakar at the International Cup. And I was like, all right, let's do it. And um, <laughs> getting over there was, was un- quite an experience because I was, like, jammed into a car with, like, a bunch of referee officials. And it's not like driving from state to state over there. You're driving from, like, one region to another region to another region. And there are guys with, like, machine guns. And I passed, like, <laughs> a bunch of guys with, like, rocket launchers. And I literally I passed three tanks. But guys with of like, tanks, they take their, like, border crossing really, really seriously. Um, and, you know, I just kept getting into one car and out another. And they put me in another one. They put me in another one. I was like, what if I get to, like, the wrong car with the wrong guy that's going to just, like, hey, you know what, American? You know, I'll see you later. But. <laughs> Uh, It's just the the risk you take. And, you know, I was along for the ride, and I get to the hotel, and the guy just gives me my stuff and says, That's Vidania. And I walk in the hotel, and I had a reservation there, and all I had had to then figure out, nobody spoke English. So it was so hard for me to figure out when the date of the tournament was, what weigh-ins were, when the competition starts, where the competition was. All I knew was practice was at five, and they said it was like somewhere on the other side of the hotel. So I had to, like, go and figure out where it was. I ended up going into, like, a uh, Taekwondo kickboxing practice for the first ten minutes. And I was like, Barba, Barba. And they were like, oh, this is not Barba. We're, like, punching and hitting stuff. I like, thought that's how Russians were doing it. Oh. They took me to, like, where the wrestling practice was. And um, lucky enough, there were, like, some people that recognized me from the Olympic Games. And um, it, it's just, you know, we're a big wrestling family. They kind of took me under their wings. Um, they spoke enough broken English that... I was able to figure out the day of weigh-ins, what time it was at, and where it was at, and and how all that stuff works. And, uh, you know, they just were really excited to have an American show up, and they kind of were just as shocked: like, you are the only American. You don't have a coach. You don't have a trainer. You don't have a translator. You just showed up to wrestle. I'm like, yeah. And I would just tell them, you know, yalu blue. Barba said, yeah, which meant, you know, I love my wrestling family. And um, that's just. The, the amazing thing about the sport, and and you guys know this as well as I do, you know, you go to any high school in the nation at a wrestling practice, and they'll welcome me right in, or any wrestler right in. and you say, hey, you know, I just need a place to crash for the night and a meal for the night, you know, I'll, somebody's going to take you right into the wrestling family and and, and treat you completely well, give you a place, fill your belly, and, and it's just like it's being part of a, a giant family that you haven't met yet, because I would do the same exact thing for any of my wrestling brothers in need as well. So it was, uh, need to say, it was an experience over there, and then, you know, the, the people were just, uh, I kind of won them over, I guess, with my wrestling, And I had that long hair, and I kind of wrestled pretty wild and just would relentlessly attack and put a lot of points on the board, and by the end of the tournament, the I had a whole, you know, cheering section that would be cheering for me, you know, during my match. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and you got fifth place, and it's t- when I read that, it sounded to me like it uh, just took me back to the way they might have uh, treated Dave Schultz, so I think that's, uh, you're in the same vein as a Dave Schultz.
3: Uh,
1: that's not, I, I wish, I, I mean, that's a big honor. I mean, I know I've heard great things about Schultz over there and how much they loved him, and, uh, you know, I think he just realized and, you know, how, how great these people are and how no matter where you go in the world, us wrestlers, we're, we're the same. I mean, we're always a little different than anybody else in society that doesn't wrestle. Um, but, you know, we, we know what it takes to, you know, the sacrifice, the pain, the dedication, all the stuff that we go through. And I think because of that, we, we're part of something bigger that kind of transcends, you know, politics. It transcends religion. It transcends uh, all these big things that, that do tend to bring people together. And, I mean, you want to talk about, you know, a sport bringing people together, you know, Russia, Iran, and the United States standing together in uh, unity to save olympic wrestling you know no no politic no politician no religion nothing's been ever able to do that before uh, outside of our sport and i think that just speaks wonders about you know what the sport does for you know human beings and human nature
0: well there's a, a big movie coming out speaking of the schultz dave schultz 84 olympic champion that was murdered in 1996 and his brother was also an olympic champion in 84 fox catcher is coming out Are you excited about this movie
3: I am.
1: It's my my Hollywood movie debut. I know so it's I'm pretty my, cool. Uh, girlfriend's jealous of me with Wait. that. You know, I got to do it. Every girl's every girl's dream. She's looking at the Facebook page right now. <laughs> Foxcatcher. But you know, I I got to wrestle Channing Tatum in a singlet, which I know any girl would kill for that opportunity. <laughs> but thank you, wrestling.
0: Well, so <laughs> d- tell us about that experience. What's your role in the movie?
1: Uh, I play Mike Sheets, which is awesome. And Mike Sheets is a you know a tough, tough dude. Um, he, he actually would have been a three-time NCAA champion, but he lost in overtime to Dave Schultz. And then he actually had the win over Mark Schultz in 88 and was in the finals of the 88 Olympic trials. And Schultz ended up coming back and beating him two out of three matches. And just to speak wonders of how amazing the guy is, he's now a veterinarian. Yeah. And for, for those of you that don't know, most doctors are failed veterinarians because you don't just have to know like the anatomy of a horse, you need to know the anatomy of a horse, of a steer, of a dog, of a sheep, of, of so many different things. Where you know regular doctors just need to know the anatomy of a human, and that it's really hard to take care of someone. It's something that can't communicate back with you. So, um, it was a great experience doing that, and you know just getting to meet Mark Ruffalo, Channing Tatum, Steve Carell, um, and then just seeing all the wrestling people there. Uh, it, it was it was fantastic, and then having it being done in Pittsburgh too. You know Hollywood people walk in and they're like want to like introduce me to people around the set and I'm walking up and high five and I'm hugging people that I've known for years in the wrestling world and they're like how do you know all these people? I'm just like <laughs> you guys know this family that you're getting into, you know, we're it's a small community and we're really, really tight knit and close with everyone.
0: Well we've uh we've enjoyed this interview. We're glad you're back. We're uh we're excited to uh to have you on the scene again. Uh we had Andy Robet on a couple weeks ago uh, and he won us over, a huge fan of his and I know you work close with him. <laughs> so uh we, uh, yeah, my
1: partner in crime, man. Yep, he's Andy, awesome. Andy was the one that Andy was the one that broke me down. He tore my ACL uh, before I ever had my real match in college. You know, after my redshirt year, and I tell people the story, I'm just like, you know how mean Andy is. You know, he tore my ACL, and right after the match, I'm laying there on the ground, and my ACL torn, just walked over and spit on me, just like <laughs> get up you pansy. And then anybody that knows Andy is like, what? And I'm like, no, I'm just kidding. He, he literally helped me up and carried me over to the carried me over to the training room, came back and checked up on me like three different times. Yep. I mean, you know, he, him and I had been battered and out from 2006, trained together all the way through 2012. And, you know, the first three years of his reign, he made the world team then. And then I kind of, you know, took it over from him thereafter. And, you know, he made me the wrestler I am today. And I'd like to hope, think that I helped, you know, him get on that world and Olympic team as well.
0: All right. Well, uh, thank you for taking the time. I know we could probably go another forty minutes, but thanks for taking this twenty with us. Uh, we appreciate having no you on. All right, that was Jake Kerber. No
1: hey, thank you guys. I, you know, I appreciate it.
0: Hey, appreciate it a lot. That was Jake Herbert, two thousand nine World Silver Medalist. Up next, we have Scott Goodale. He's the head wrestling coach at Rutgers. He's next on the mat on sixteen fifty. The fan KCNZ. are back on the mat, 1650 The Fan, KCNZ. I'm Kyle Klingman of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, Dan Gable Museum. Our final guest enters his eighth season as the head wrestling coach at Rutgers, but this is his first season in the Big Ten Conference. Scott Goodell is on the line with us. Welcome to the program, Scott.
3: Thanks for having me, Kyle. Appreciate
0: it. You, you know, it's got to be pretty amazing and surreal to be in the Big Ten Conference this year, the premier wrestling conference. How are you embracing this challenge?
3: I'm excited about it. I think the whole staff's excited about it. I know the university obviously is excited about it, and uh, our athletes, most importantly, are, are pretty fired up. You know, it's, uh, it's a tremendous challenge, as you know, as you well know. And uh, but, but we'll be ready. We'll be ready to compete. But it's, it's great to be wrestling some of these traditional powers year in and year out and uh, to get into some of these hostile environments is kind of neat. Mm-hmm. So, we, again, we look forward to it.
0: Now, do you think this is going to help with recruiting and elevate your program on the whole?
3: You know, it all depends on the kid you're recruiting. If you if you want a kid that wants to be the best and be in the best conference and wrestle the best competition, sure. So we've had some people from all over the country interested in Rutgers now because we're in the Big Ten. But then there are some guys that, that don't want that wear and tear and that grind, and we, we sniff that out right away, and, and they're they're not you know, real shy about mentioning, you know, it's, it's a tough conference and a red flag goes up. So it helps because the best kids, the guys with the highest goals want to attain, you know, at the highest level, those are the guys that want to be in this conference. So that in that way, it helps. But there certainly are some guys that shy away from it for
0: sure. Now, I know you've looked at the schedule close, and uh, this is almost like a Haley's Comet of schedules, especially the home schedule you have in 2015. University of Iowa, you have on January 2nd, you have Minnesota on January 11th, you have Penn State on January 16th, and then Ohio State on February 1st. First of all, I know that's a, a really stacked schedule for you at home, but how are you going to embrace that and make sure that you can get the best opportunity to promote your program during a, a really remarkable home schedule?
3: Yeah, well, we've, we've, we've done that. You know, we've, we're 350% up in season ticket sales. We, we've done a tremendous job. That, that arena, with seats 8,000, will get packed and, and, in some cases, sell out. So our marketing program and our marketing, our development team has done a tremendous job where season tickets are at a premium. So in that way, it's great. Uh, from my standpoint, we need to make sure – and as you know, New Jersey is a hotbed. Uh, the people are fanatical about the sport. They love the sport. Uh, the Friday-Sunday certainly helps. They'll be able to get to the matches. So, so in that way, it's great. But, But my job is to make sure our guys are ready. to to be competitive and and to give a first impression. We have a first impression we can make against Iowa, our first ever Big Ten duel in the conference, and we need to be ready for that duel meeting. We'll take the others as they come. They certainly weren't easy, the schedule makers, when it came to to giving us those four at home, but it's been great. It's been great for our guys and our our whole program to to know who we have wrestling at home and embrace who we have. just be excited about it it's going to be a
0: good time we're talking with scott goodale head wrestling coach at rutgers and rutgers enters the big 10 this year we talked about the unbelievable schedule but you have an unbelievable coach that is coming into your program and donnie pritzloff two-time ncaa champion for wisconsin and a homegrown new jersey kid you have to be excited about what he's going to bring to your program
3: i do i do i'm real excited and i uh, i learn every day from him you know i think it's a It's a great mix. He's been great with our staff, and our guys just love him. He's, uh, first and foremost, just a great, great person. And those are the guys you want to surround yourself with. And he'll do anything for this program. He absolutely loves New Jersey. I was shocked we were able to pull him away from Michigan. He was in a great spot. Never really thought it would happen. And I was completely – it was total opposite where he really wanted to do it. So uh, it's been a great partnership. It's only been two months. He's very competitive. He wants to win, but he wants to do it the right way. knows it will take some time. But he likes this team, and these guys have really embraced him. So he can be a head coach anywhere in the country, I feel, and he's that good. So we're very, very fortunate for sure. So
0: how did you pull him away?
3: Just uh, I gave him an offer and didn't think, you know, I I wanted to go after the best guy. I thought he was the best coach and the best recruiter in the country, and uh, he's the first guy I asked thinking I was definitely going to get a no. I was feeling pretty good about ourselves and our program because we had an All-American two days earlier. So when I got back from Nationals, I called him on that Monday. Uh, thinking it was going to be a no, and it was total opposite. He's like, this sounds like a great opportunity. Let me talk to my wife. And then, obviously, he went to Coach McFarland and Sean Bermett who he's very tight with. And and just his, you know, the opportunity for him to be around family. He's been away for 10 to 15 years. He hasn't been around family. So this was a great opportunity, mm-hmm. and uh likes what we're doing. I've always had a relationship with him because I always picked his brain, even when I was at Jackson and he was at Wisconsin coaching. I would always lean on him for some advice on on some things to do as far as training goes and peaking and things like that. So we've always had a relationship, but uh, it just worked out. he wanted to come home and he wants to be in the Big Ten, so us being in the Big Ten certainly helped. He wanted to stay in that conference, and it just worked out.
0: I've always liked how you took the path to head wrestling coach at a Division One program is that you're a high school coach, and I think that's awesome. You are a native of Jackson, New Jersey, and you coached Jackson Memorial High School for seven seasons. What do you, are you able to take from that experience that allows you to be a better college head wrestling coach than someone that may go through the assistant college coaching route and get to the head coaching position?
3: You know what? I just, and I got back to doing this the last couple of years, just make it fun. Make it fun. Make, you know, scoring points fun. Make wrestling's wrestling. And there's some great high school coaches that could be college coaches. There's no question about it. I get that a lot. Well, he's a high school coach. I take that as a compliment. You know, there's certain things you need to develop for sure, but it, Make wrestling fun and get back to being fun. Some of the greatest times of these guys' competition lives were in high school because you had those huge crowds and you pinned people and you scored a lot of points. Those guys love that. we got to get back to, to having fun and scoring a lot of points and, and putting people in the stands, having an exciting style of wrestling. That's what makes it fun. Let's be honest. This this wrestling, this college wrestling, Division One level, it's a year-round job for a lot of these guys. and I don't want it to be like that, although it is, I understand that. You got to try to make it fun and do some of the things we used to do at Jackson and some of the ways we trained, and it's 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 helped us for sure. And, and getting back to those roots, you know, for a couple years there in between Jackson and, and and today, it was you know go 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 and beat your head up against the wall, and it, we had to make sure we got back to it and I you know having fun. and I took that from. You
2: know, me being a high
3: school coach and how much fun those guys have wrestling and under those certain uh, you know circumstances. So that's one thing I've taken from from being a high school coach.
0: Talking with Scott Goodell, head wrestling coach at Rutgers, uh, newly inserted into the Big Ten. So we're excited to see that uh, that full slate. 14 teams now in the Big Ten. But you have a. A great uh, nucleus, and uh, one of the guys that I think we should all be excited about. You have a redshirt freshman coming from South Plainfield, New Jersey, at 141 pounds. How excited do you have? Uh, someone this high caliber in your lineup?
3: Pretty fired up. I really am. The kid can wrestle. Uh, he's a competitor. You know, I think that's the most important thing. He he uh, he trains his butt off. He trains hard. He's very easy to coach. He's very willing to learn. Um, he, he's really, really talented. He's certainly capable he's certainly capable he'll do some really really good things there'll be some bumps along the way no doubt about it uh you know i think there's 10 guys in our conference ranked in the top 20 depending on what poll you look at but it, he'll have uh his handful with the schedule and uh but I, I don't worry about that he's been all over the world wrestling um so he's certainly capable he's got a bright future he's gonna have a great career he's got to stay healthy but he does a lot of things right and uh and that just doesn't mean the wrestling side of it. He does a lot of things right, and uh, Asheville's going to be a good one for sure.
0: Now, Jake Herbert, who we just had on, talked about uh, the wrestling family, but uh, I know as a, a program you want to make sure that you keep past Rutgers wrestlers engaged. I think of a guy, an All-American, Tom Tannis, who, uh, who is with the program. Does he stay involved in the program? Are you able to retain those guys that have been through the program to keep them going, feel like they're part of the family?
3: Yeah, you know, with the guys I've coached, I never coached Tom, but we had a relationship with him just for the fact he was coaching at Navy, so we would compete against them. And then he got out of coaching. We invited him back a couple years for the EIWA tournament, so there's a relationship there, which is great. I think he's excited about what we're doing at Rutgers. Again, I never coached them. You know, my guys that I've coached from eight years on now are are very much involved in our program. Um, If they decide to continue to wrestle, most of them start started to coach. So again, there's a relationship with those guys and. And that all helps in recruiting. So we try to keep them a part of the family. Uh, some more than others are a part of the, uh, what we're trying to do at Rutgers. So, but, yeah, it's certainly something we try to do. And, you know, we kept Billy Ashall around, and, you know, that he's part of this family and obviously had a hand in keeping Anthony at home. So, uh, but, yeah, we, we try to do that. And as we keep going further and further, We'll,
0: we'll do more of it for sure. Uh, 2016, the NCAA tournament is going to be in New York City and in, in the Midwest. Uh, there's a little bit of griping about uh, what's going to happen and the hotel costs and being at Madison Square Garden. What advice do you have for us if we're going to go to uh, Madison Square Garden? I know a lot of people are probably looking at Jersey to go in. Uh, are you excited about it? Is it going to be as big of a pain as we think? Uh,
2: you know,
3: not if you do it right. Like you said, maybe staying in Jersey and, and taking a train over and or if you're staying in the city, uh, leave your car there. You park it once and that's it, whatever the case might be. You can get to, to the garden, Madison Square Garden, by taxi, by, you know, by train, by subway, whatever the case might be. It's very, very easy. Now it's easy for me because I'm around here and I've been in the city a ton. So, but my suggestion would be to stay in Jersey uh, and, and take the train in, and it becomes real easy. Uh, it, it's going to be a great – I mean, it's the world's most famous arena. It's, it's really all that. It is really all that. It, we wrestle there every year in the grapple of the garden. There's something special about that place. I'm excited that they're having it. I think it's it's unbelievable. I know they've had the World Championships, I think, back in 2001, but mm-hmm. this is the national tournament. You know, I can't imagine. I've been to some big-time Ranger games and some big-time Knicks games. There's nothing like when the garden is full and, and exciting. So uh, I think it will be a great spectacle. I worry about the spacing on the floor. It is tight. But with all that being said, you know, stay in Jersey, drive across, or if you're in the city, park your car and leave it there for the week, and, and you're good to go. And
0: so you're, you're close enough that you can have the team just stay there and not have to worry about it?
3: Yeah, I'm not sure what we'll do, but we, I know we could take a train, you know, 38 minutes. We could take a train and be right underneath the garden, you know, on Penn Station, and we do that a lot. So uh, I, I don't know what we'll do. I don't know where we'll stay. It's, it's a couple years out, but, you know, we could certainly train at our place, you know, even Thursday, you know, Thursday morning and Thursday afternoon. And other teams can do that, too, if they reach out to us. So, you know, we'll, we'll look to do that and stay home as long as possible and then head into the city.
0: Well, you talked about the Big Ten angle. Are you excited about the the potential of being on the Big Ten network?
3: Yeah, I, you know, I, I heard, and I'm pretty sure this is a done deal that we're going to be on. the. And I probably shouldn't say a done deal because I don't know, but there's a pretty good chance we'll wrestle Iowa, our first Big Ten tool, we'll be on the Big Ten network. Um, it, it's a huge – obviously, New York City market, the Jersey market, it's a great market. Uh, It'll be a great telecast. I mean, it's, uh, that's about as big as it gets, right? You're going to wrestle high on the Big Ten Network. That's pretty cool for your first duel. So, yeah, it's certainly exciting.
0: All right, and then real quick, I just want to ask about facilities. Is your, is your wrestling room big enough for what you need? Not right now. You know,
3: it's something we're working on every day. We have plans. We have a quick fix that's going to take place here uh, halfway through the year, next couple of weeks, actually, which is going to give us three full mats. So that's, that's kind of neat. And then, uh, you know, there's there's a project that's ongoing right now with our new athletic director, Julie Herman, that's going to give us a state-of-the-art facility here in about three or four years. So uh, it's going to be connected, and this is what they think about wrestling at Rutgers. It'll be connected to the football portion of it, and on the other side will be the basketball. So it'll be football, basketball, and wrestling if all things work out, and we're hoping it does. And. There's some great plans for it, so we're excited about
0: that. All right, we've been talking with Scott Goodale. He's going to have his first season in the Big Ten Conference. We appreciate you taking the time today. Really enjoyed the interview, and we wish you all the best as you compete uh, this season and a remarkable schedule.
3: Thanks, Kyle. I appreciate you having
0: me on. All right, that was Scott Goodale of Rutgers. We can't even say it for Doug Van Gelder because he wasn't here. But for Jason Bryant, Scott Goodale, Jake Herbert, and Scott Fensloff, I'm Kyle Klingman. You've been listening to On the Mat on 1650
2: The Fan, KCNZ. On the Mat is a presentation of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum in Waterloo, Iowa. Cedar Valley radio station KCNZ 1650 The Fan airs On the Mat every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central. The Short Time Wrestling Podcast is brought to you by Flips Wrestling. Share your attitude and be heard at flipswrestling.com.